Well, it's that time of year again, uh, this sort of weird week that we've just finished up between Christmas and New Year's, uh, when sort of time stops, or at least seems to for parents of small children, uh, where it doesn't, there seems to be the days just all kind of push together. I don't know what you normally do that week. Some of you had to work. Some of you were off. Um, but I want to... One thing that I do in that week, usually the church office is closed at some point during this time of year, and it was closed this past week, and I'll use that week to go through the files of the past year and uh, go through and look back and clean up the, all the pictures on my phone and put those on the hard drive and back up the laptop and just sort of the end-of-year stuff. And one of the things that I like to do is review the goals that I set at the beginning of the year. Um, I'll tell you that at the beginning of this year, I set 28 goals for myself, um, which will not surprise you if you're a fellow type A, an achiever. Uh, if you are a person who likes to get things done, that number seems a little low to you. Uh, some people, like 28 goals, what are you thinking? Um, yeah, well, 28 goals, unfortunately... I only hit nine of those, uh, which gives me just a little less than half a day to get the remaining 19 in, which I think I can do. Um, my, my wife laughed at me. Uh, she said, only you would set 28 goals for yourself. But I don't care what she says. Okay, I can, I can still achieve. That's just one goal every 38 minutes. I can make it work. Um, I just have to lose uh, something like 14 pounds every hour. Um, I'm glad Chick-fil-A is closed. <laughs> that'll, that'll help. Um, but we, we sort of, I don't know, for, for some mindset, this is a time of year when we, we work on assessing our productivity, what we've accomplished, where we've gone, what we've done. And this morning I want to talk about doing that, how you measure up. Measuring up can be... Uh, Wonderful thing, if you like achieving goals, measuring up can be a very unwanted thing when you haven't got done what you, att- what you desire to get done. Uh, this morning, we have this visual, and uh, you'll notice a bag. You probably noticed them when we passed the welcome books. There's a bag of these, and I would just like the person who has that bag, uh, just everyone take one measuring tape. And pass it down, so I'll leave it up to you whether you want to give those to the kids or not. But I'd like everyone that can to take one. While you're passing those, I'll tell you about the Wheel of Life. Uh, this was a tool that the late uh, inspirational speaker Zig Ziglar used. He called it the Wheel of Life. And the idea was that you have, you know, all these areas of your life. Everyone wants to be successful. Everyone, everyone wants to, to have goals and achieve them and see themselves accomplishing things. But we have success in so many different areas of life. So, for example, perhaps you know of someone who's very successful in the business world. I mean, they, they are just a phenom. They have just rocketed way past what anyone thought. They are wildly successful for their age and all of that. But their family life is just in shambles uh, because this person works so much all the time. He, he or she never sees their children traveling all the time. Uh, he or she 
just doesn't have a relationship with them. It's obvious that when there's time to be doing family things, that person's still at work burning the midnight oil. That's a, that's a person who's been successful in one area of life, but not successful in another area. Zig uh, boiled it down to these eight different areas, your career, your financial goals, your physical goals, your spiritual goals, your intellectual goals, your family goals, your social goals. And when you take stock of those, that's kind of one of the ways how I came up with 28 goals is because I had several different goals for each area. And it's good to do that. But sometimes when you take stock, especially maybe in 2017, your, your wheel of life sort of looks like a flat tire. I mean, it, it, maybe it was very successful in two or three areas, but there's three or four that are just woefully underperforming. And that can be a good way to measure up and look back and see what you got done, what, what needs improving. But, but here's the thing with the wheel of life that I've found. Uh, no matter what kind of year I had, how many or a few goals and how many of those I accomplished or didn't, it seems like I'm never quite measuring up. I think that's the purpose of the tool is to help you improve in whatever it is you can. This morning, I, I want to talk about measuring up in your life. Uh, since it's December 31st and we're uh, taking, uh, it's a good opportunity to take stock of the past year and also a good opportunity to look forward. Um, so the physical area of, of your life, let's start with that area of the wheel. Um, I just want you to extend this tape and wrap it around your waist. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> this measure isn't to think about your diet. This measure is to think about your life. It represents the timeline of your life. You'll notice that the tape has two sides, one that's numbered from zero to seventy two. The standard system, and then one that's measured from 0 to 184. That's the metric side, and that's the side I want you to use. I want you to look at those numbers, and if you can, go to the point in the timeline where your age is today. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, the psalmist says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Some of you are still scrolling. Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a long sermon. The first, this morning I want to talk to you about three parts of your life. The first part is, I want you to think about what's behind you. I have my thumb on number 39. That's the age I am today. And as I look back from right to left, I see the span of my years so far. And maybe I can put a few milestones. There's the age I graduated from high school. And there's the age I graduated from college. And there's the, the age I was when I came to Northside. And there's the, the very first time I went to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> it's a beautiful day, age 34. You have your own milestones. Maybe the date that you were baptized into Christ to begin your journey with him. Certainly the day you were married, if you are married. Perhaps the day, the, how old you were when your first child was born. Significant are the milestones in those numbers. But also within those numbers are some milestones that you'd rather not think about. 
The time when you really, really messed up. The time when you got fired. The time when you said that thing to your family member and there's been division ever since. All your struggles, all your regrets, even all your sins are in those numbers. The good news is, as was read this morning, that one of the beautiful gifts of grace that we receive by being a New Testament Christian is this very simple thing. The ability to put the past in the past. Paul wrote to the to church at Corinth, who had a lot of people with a quite a checkered past. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And so regardless of what's happened to this point in your life, especially along the lines of struggles and hurts and habits and hang-ups, is, is that you can look back on your life and learn from it. But you don't have to live there. You see, the scriptures are, are very clear that we are to learn from our past. I know there's sort of a popular thing amongst young people, you know, no regrets. It used to be YOLO, you know. Um, and that's basically a way of saying, you know what, I'm just going to, I don't care about my past. It doesn't matter. And that's, that's foolishness. Because to not learn from history, especially your own history, is to remain forever a child. So if you want to grow in wisdom, if you want to learn, look back at those difficult spots, the growing points, the things that you learned from, the mistakes that you made, and, and learn from your past. Just don't live there. You need to leave the past in the past. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 3. If you're following along in your Bibles, you can turn there. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Now, as you think about this, you've got to think about the, the story of the man who's writing these words. Now, I know he's inspired by the Spirit, but the Spirit's using his story. Now, if the Apostle Paul could take his timeline and he could do and look back just like we've done, you know, he would have looked back with a great deal of regret. He, he, these churches he's ministering to, these, these Gentiles he's trying to help mature in Christ, were the same ones that just a few years ago he was persecuting. And watching as they were persecuted and giving homage. There went my life. He was looking back on that. No doubt with regret. And he said, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, you can't have a better tomorrow if you're always thinking about yesterday. At some point, you have to learn from the past and be able to let it go. Let it go. Don't hold it back anymore. So let's stop thinking about the past for just a moment Let's look ahead and think about what remains. Now, if you have the rest of your timeline, you've probably already thought ahead. If you're smart, you've looked ahead and you've thought, I wonder what age it will be. See, one of those numbers on your timeline is the last one. 
And you don't know which one it will be. It could be the very next one. Or you may have another hundred to go. The truth is we're not told exactly how many days we have left. I hope you make it to 184, but I doubt it. The truth is, the question is not how many days you have left, but what you do with the days you have left. Someone once said it better than I. They said, don't count the days. Make the days count. Here's the truth. You have fewer days in front of you than you've ever had before. And tomorrow you'll have even less than that. With each passing day, with each passing year, you get closer to the end of your timeline. And for some people, that can be scary, especially if you're not in Christ. If you're not protected from eternal damnation, if you're not in Christ, covered by his blood and by his grace, then that should be a scary thought. And if you're not this morning, I hope you'll think seriously about that, because the scripture says very clearly That there comes an end for all of us. You have to think about what remains and you get going. Ephesians 5 verses 15 and 16. The Apostle Paul again writing this. Be very careful. Be careful with what? With how you live. Be very careful how you live. Not as unwise but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You see, I don't know, I don't know if you have pet peeve phrases of my, phrases, but one of mine is the phrase, oh, I've been saying that for years. I mean, you'll hear somebody talking about politics or problems or sports or, or whatever it might be. And, and along will come the phrase, oh, I've been saying that for years. Well, so what? There are no copyright on ideas. Words are cheap. The question is, what did you do? About your great words and your great ideas. Many years ago, I was in a, a men's Bible study group, and it was around the Christmas season. Uh, it was probably, it wasn't December, but it was uh, probably early to mid-November. And a new video game system had just come out. It was, I don't remember which one it was specifically. But this gaming system came out, and it was all the rage. I mean, all the gamers had to have it. And so I thought, man, you know, it would be a, a really smart idea to go and uh, buy as many of those gaming systems I, as I could and wait till they ran out and then sell them on eBay. And I thought, and so I shared that idea. I said, I've got this great idea. I think this would be awesome. See, but I didn't do anything about it. I didn't do anything with that idea. So it came to nothing. Except one of the men in my small group, Paul Harrington, he said, That's a good idea. And so he left the men's Bible study group and he went and bought some gaming systems. He told me, thank you so much for your idea. He said that provided all of our Christmas money this year. I was like, you're welcome, Paul. But see, Paul did the right thing. He didn't just dream about it. He didn't just talk about it. He did something with it. That's what Paul's saying here. He's not talking about gaming systems. Don't misunderstand me. He's saying you've got to make the most of every opportunity because opportunities only come along every once in a while. And if you're not ready to take advantage of it, if you're not ready to move, if you don't have the courage to make the most of today, you'll have nothing but regrets tomorrow. 
So you've got to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The Apostle James takes the timeline. Brother of Jesus says in James chapter 4 verse 14 that your life is a mist. What is your life? You're a, a mist that appears for a little while. I don't know why the teens are getting nervous. Pay attention for just a second. James says that regardless of if your life is eight years or 88 years, that your life is a mist. Hey, watch. See how long you can watch the mist. Now, I'm serious. I mean, mean, whether you have a big mist or just a little tiny one. The point is this. Your life is a mist. You are in the process of evaporating right now. So what are you doing with it? What are you doing with the gift that God gave you of life? Please, please don't ever take for granted this precious gift called life. you got to get going because it's all going to come to an end someday. And that leads us to our third point. you got to think about where you're headed. You see, this timeline works good to a point. Hebrews 9.27 says this, It's appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Austin, you seem a little... Your skin looks really moist. That's really nice. Can I see your timeline? Did you pick a, a number on here? What do you think the last number on here will be for you? I'll give you the opportunity to pick. Which one? You, you don't want to choose? Oh, okay. That's too morbid for you, huh? What about... Is 90 good? Let's, let's say 90. How old are you now? 15. Seventy-five more years. See, that's the problem in this area. I'm not really picking on you, but the truth is you don't know. Can I speak to you directly for just a second? There are people in this church family who've had people in their lives who, just like you, thought they had much longer than they actually did. It's appointed unto man to die once. And after that comes the judgment. You see, we sort of pick the end, right? But the truth is, our timeline is much longer than 184. That's just the end of your body. But you're not just a body, you're a soul. You're eternal. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put away your timelines. Because I need you to think in terms of a bigger timeline. Brian, can I get your help? Now, if we could just for a second, hold on, hold on. Don't unwrap eternity yet. If we could take all the timelines in here. 700, 750 or so. Put them end to end. Multiply them by a trillion. You've just burned about a half of a tenth of a second in eternity. 
You see, the problem is, is not the measurement of your own life. The problem is not the shortness or the brevity of your life. The truth is, is that eternity is so very, very, very long. It is unfathomable. Oh, man, I knew I was going to mess that word up. Unfathomable. It was without fathom. Tim, go ahead and close that door because this ruins the visual if you open it. When I was uh, a younger boy, we lived in a home in Whitewater. In the front yard of that home was a irrig- uh, not an irrigation well, just a well, supplied the water for the house. My brother and I sometimes would pull off the cap of that well, would hold it on the well. Maybe we dropped a few things down that well. You know why? Because we couldn't see the bottom. And we, we were curious to know how deep it went. And so we'd drop a little pebble or something. You'd hear it kind of clang against the side. And eventually you'd hear it. If you listened real carefully, you could hear the bottom of the well. But eternity is a well with no bottom. You drop something in, and it goes on forever and ever and ever. You think one of, one of the pieces of wisdom in this world is four simple words. This too shall pass. Whatever situation you're in. I mean, for better or for worse, whatever situation you're in right now, this too shall pass. But you need to know that the moment you step into eternity, that will be the first time and forever where that will not be true. Hebrews says that it is appointed to man to die once and after that to face the judgment. And you step into the eternal well where there is no end. Scripture describes that there are two sides of that eternal judgment, a place of torment A place described as so awful and so terrible that the man who was in torment begged, begged the opportunity to go back and tell his family to get ready. He was in such agony that he begged for a drop of water, I mean a drop of water, to be applied to his tongue. And on the other side of that chasm was Abram. And he said, listen. They have the prophets. They have the preachers. But if they don't listen to them, it doesn't matter. You see, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about the afterlife except that it is so very, very, very eternal. We cannot fathom it. And so the only way, the only way to be prepared for it is to be ready. To be in Christ. To be on the side where there is eternal comfort and joy and peace. I need to tell you this morning, there's a decision to be made on the eternal line. 
So as I come near the invitation and you're tempted just to put away your timelines, to put away the books and say, man, that was kind of an interesting sermon. And then just go about your way. Do not miss the eternal decision that lies in your hands. Because it's appointed to man to die once and after that to face judgment. So get ready. There is a cemetery, I'm told, in which there is a headstone that's described as being over a hundred years old. And on this tombstone is the epitaph that goes like this. Pause, stranger, when you pass me by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare yourself for death and follow me. Someone wisely scratched these words on the bottom of the epitaph. I wouldn't recommend that necessarily, but supposedly they scratched these words in. Dear stranger, to follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. No matter how long your timeline is, it's just a, a hair breadth wide in eternity. Since life is short and eternity is very, so very, very long, where will you spend your eternity? Are you ready to face that judgment? Are you ready to spend eternity? You see, the time we have so, is so very short here. So we've got to make the most of it. You've got to learn from what's behind you. You've got to get going with what's in front of you because you don't have much time left. And you've got to be ready for where you're headed in the eternal sense. This morning I want to ask you. The scripture says in Hebrews 4.16. Therefore let us confidently approach the throne from which God gives grace. So we may receive mercy and grace in our time of need. Are you ready to stand confidently before the throne of God? I tell you none of us in here on our own can. When I think of standing before the throne of God. It fills me with terror. Quite honestly. How then can we stand confidently in front of the throne of God? Only by being covered in the blood of his beautiful son. By having his righteousness imputed to us. Not because of what we have done, but because of what he did. If you haven't done that this morning, I want to call you. And and I want to invite you to, to participate with us on the journey we're going on in 2018. Our theme is going to be called Growing in Grace. And we're going to be talking about how we not only come to Christ, but how we grow in Christ and how we make the most of the mist that we have left. And by the grace of Christ, you can confidently approach the throne of God today if you're ready. But if you're not ready, let me encourage you to get ready. There's no time like the present because you don't know how much time you have left. If you're ready to begin... More aptly, if you're ready to begin again, come today as together we stand and sing.